0: Okay, let me describe the scene. In our village, they are laying in cable. No biggie, not really, except for the fact that this bit of the village is many, many, many hundreds of years old. Our house is 700 years of them. And so I've had to park in what is technically our studio car park, but nobody ever parks in there because A, it's impossible to get in and out of and B, the birds shit all over the cars as I wriggled my way out of here there we go managed to get it out no accidents haven't run into anybody the car is as predicted covered in bird crap I'm Paul and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography podcast There's cars (laughs) everywhere. Because all of the cars that have been displaced by the nice chaps, digging a hole, and now down our high street. Let me wick on my way through here. There we go. Good morning, everybody. How are we? I hope we're well. It's a proper chilly day. It feels like it's minus one. It's not. The temperature gauge on the car is saying it's about six degrees. But it's one of those days where the light is that sort of steely blue colour and there's a slight mist hanging in the air which adds to the slightly Dickensian image of a cold crisp I wouldn't even say crisp it's kind of damp morning uh what a week I I always say that and then I always say I always say that I think it's when you've read what's this episode 116 I think of the podcast Uh, Of course, after 100 or so episodes, you start to realise that you've become your own (laughs) cliché, which is a little bit weird. Uh, However, what's this week been like? It's been a really nice week, actually. We've just come past the peak of stress and workload. So things now do ease up. There's just one wedding left this year. I'd say this season, but actually... Um weddings this year haven't really run to a season in the same way that possibly they would have done in a more normal year. Uh, in the end, this will roll out as a reasonably successful year. Certainly, given that we were shut down for a very large chunk of it, our business has bounced back remarkably well uh, on Friday Last week, the back end of last week, I'm recording this on a Wednesday, uh, we had, I think, I'd have to double check the records, but I'm uh, I'm 90% certain that we had the single biggest day of portrait sales we've ever had. Two portrait clients and both of them uh, spent particularly well, one of them up there with our uh, records, which is really, really gratifying when you put in so much work, because you know what it's like, You know, you pour your heart and soul into the job. And if you don't, you're doing something wrong. So you pour your heart and soul into it. And then, of course, you're always going to get clients who, for whatever reason, uh, do not have the ability or the desire to spend on, on what you're trying to sell them. And that makes it really hard as a creative because there's... That thing in you that really, <laughs> you actually i please like my images. I just want you to have some, please, please like them. And there's that inner, insecure, creative, constantly in your ear, please like them. I don't, yeah, I don't even need to charge you. And then there's the reality of the business—the cold, calm reality that you need to pay the bills, and the great challenge with running a photography business like any business I guess is the variability of income and the predictability of outgoings you don't always know when the money's coming in you definitely know when it's going out so trying to figure all of that out is a challenge so when you get days like Friday and actually to be honest the week that we've had we've uh, I think every single client this week has spent above average uh, and a couple of them have spent well, up into our you know top few percent uh, of spenders altogether. So that was really really nice. Couple of wedding pitches. Uh, I think I've got another one over the weekend as well. The wedding inquiries are coming in thick and fast at the moment. And by thick and fast, I just to clarify. You know, I know people People listen to the podcast. I listen to podcasts. And there's that, again, that insecure voice in your head is, why is everybody else having a better time than me? And wh- why does everyone else look more successful than me? And I hope in the podcast I've tried to give a very balanced view of the stresses and strains of running this business. It's not easy. It's full of doubt. It's full of insecurity. But in the end, it's the best job I've ever had. Um, so when I say we've had a lot of wedding inquiries, I really just mean, you know, three <laughs> but given i only shoot 20 or 25 a year that's quite a lot for us i mean if i win those three what's that my math isn't that great nearly 20 percent of the weddings will shoot if we're doing 20 is that right if i got that right no that's not right it's nowhere near right 10 percent. let's go for 10 it sounds it's, it sounds less uh doing maths while i'm driving is clearly not a great idea uh, but it's been really lovely to have those coming in because it means whatever else is you're doing a good job. And one inquiry in particular came in the morning after I'd shot the wedding from which the inquiry came. Now we talk a lot, uh, not just on the podcast, but when I'm on stage or when we're doing presentations or coaching and mentoring about the performance aspect of this job and what's really Really lovely when you get an inquiry the morning after a wedding is they haven't seen a single picture yet. It's uh, a couple who are at the wedding. (laughs) Funnily enough, it's a couple who I'd laughingly insulted. Uh, He was the best man. He turned out to be a fantastic best man. He was a lovely guy. Uh, But him and I bumped. I arrived at the venue and he, the the groom and the best man, were stood at the entrance looking entirely lost, and I. Initially, I didn't even clock that it was the groom. Uh, You know, the trouble with weddings now is sometimes I will meet a bride and groom, pitch for the wedding, and then I won't see them again for, you know, two years when I turn up at the wedding. So I thought it was the groom, but he was looking so incredibly lost and so incredibly bewildered that I came to assumption it was just a couple of guests, two guys waiting. Uh, for their partners to arrive, the, the way they were stood. Uh, as I climbed out the Land Rover and loaded up the cameras onto my belt and things, realised, nope, it's the groom and the best man. And I, so I strolled up, uh, of course they said, you're alright? Do you know where you're supposed to be or anything like that? And he, he said, no, no idea, I'm just stood here. <laughs> so I said, I'll be back, I'll be back. So I went and found the bride and all of the wedding party or the bridal party were getting ready. And I said, is there anywhere in particular you'd like the groom to be? He's got another hour. He can't stand outside or an hour and a half. He can't stand outside on his own. He said, oh, I just thought you'd go to the bar. And I said, listen, I'll, let, t- tell me where the buttonholes are. I'll get the flowers. I'll go pin them on and I'll tell them to go to the bar. So I went back. But jokingly during this, I laughed to the bride and I said, well, the term best man, well, that's an interesting idea, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> because he's failed miserably to guide the groom to anywhere sensible uh, and I was laughing and the bride was laughing and then midway through the laughter, she pointed out that the bridesmaid sat right behind me was the best man's fiance always a good moment <laughs> and luckily she said no you're completely right he's useless and uh, we laughed about it Anyway, we laughed all day a lovely absolutely beautiful wedding beautiful couple beautiful atmosphere the crazy bear venue doing its thing Uh next morning first thing next morning we get an email from the best man and his fiancée, the uh, bridesmaid saying would i consider pitching for their wedding and that's a lovely thing because that's entirely down to your interactions with the crowd at that stage nobody's seen any photographs they are simply saying do you know what i think you would make a good addition to our wedding please could we have a chat and so uh, we will have that. And that's, it's really nice. It means you're doing, um, well, hopefully doing, a pretty good job. Oh, I've just turned the heater up. <laughs> I'm giving myself a little bit of warmth. I've got the heated seaters on, heat, heated seats on, uh, but it's still pretty chilly in here. Uh, and I, but I don't really want all of the background noise. Not, the, not as, listen to me, you don't want background noise. I'm driving a Land Rover, for goodness sake, the whole thing is one heap of background noise. So anyway, we've been pitching for weddings, which is really nice. Um, I used to get quite nervous about pitching, but actually these days, so imagine, right, effectively, you're gonna sit down with someone who's interested in what you do, genuinely interested in what you do, all right? You've got that little awkward moment of how much do you charge for what you do? But I just sit and chat, find out about their day, find out about how they met, what their family's like, why the venue choice, what their timings are, you know, atmospherically, what kind of wedding is it gonna be? Uh, and I just find it a really, it's just really nice. It's like going out for a drink with someone you never met. Uh, so hi, how are you? I just, I just really enjoy it. Uh, you don't win all of them. You shouldn't win all of your pitches. If you win all of your pitches, your price is too low. You must be losing some on price or else uh, the mix of pricing and who you're pitching to is not quite right. Uh, I've seen various numbers written down for that, but a, a best, the best guess is around a third. Somebody said a half the other day, but I, um, I, my, that would drive my insecurities too hard. Um, and I always say to our, uh, you know, when I'm sitting pitching to a prospective client, listen, the, the most important thing is that you like your photographer. It's actually that you like all of your suppliers, but I'm the photographer so, because at the end of the day, I'm going to be there literally in your face. Not for much of it, but for some of it. And I'm certainly going to be in and amongst your guests. So have a look at me, have a chat with Sarah and Michelle, have a look at what we produce and the way we do it and think to yourself, is this someone that you want as an addition to your day? And if the answer to that is no, obviously I'm going to be Utterly devastated. <laughs> I'm gonna be weeping, and we'll have a moment of Sarah. So I'm so. Is there something wrong with me? Uh, but the reality, of course, is that is a truism. You must pick people you like, even if at the end of the day, that isn't me. And that helps to negate those one or two clients you get every year, I guess, where the the relationship between them and with us isn't what it could be. You know, we have an amazing relationship with 99% of our clients. And, you know, I would happily and wantingly want to go out and have a drink with them because they're interesting people. They make me laugh. They treated us with respect. We treat them uh, with respect. But just occasionally, you do get someone through the door who doesn't really get why you do and how you do what you do which I think, uh, you know, I wish I had crystal balls, but if I had crystal balls, I'd be in the circus, I guess. I don't really know whether there's a point to this particular podcast, but it's entitled (laughs) Suck, Squeeze, Bang, Blow. Now, for those of you who are engineers, you know I've just described the cycles of a four-stroke engine, which for anyone driving uh, a combustion engine car, almost all of them are four stroke engine. You've got cylinders that go up and down in there, rather you've got pistons that go up and down inside their cylinders. And as they go up and down, different things happen. So the suck, squeeze, bang, blow describes the four cycles that every piston goes through on a four stroke engine. That's why it's called a four stroke engine. One, suck, two, squeeze, three, bang, four blow, I couldn't remember it. Then when I was having to add numbers, I couldn't remember it. Suck, squeeze, bang, blow. My dad used to have us all, so there's three kids in him in the kitchen, doing the washing up when I was little, doing the cycle. So we'd all, so each piston has a partner pair, more or less. They're not quite like that, but it's close. So two of you going down, two of you going up. So those are the cycles, up, down, up, down, up, down. Two of you be going up, two of you be going down. One of you, as you're going down, is saying suck. And the second cylinder, as it's going up, is saying squeeze. The third cylinder, going down, is saying bang. And the fourth cylinder, as it is also going up in partnership with the second one, is saying blow. And those four those four cycles are very straightforward. Suck, the piston goes down, dragging in air. It needs air to work. Then it has squeeze. The, the valves on the cylinder close, so no air can get out. And the cylinder, or the piston rather, comes back up and it squeezes the air, it compresses the air into a very small space. Then fuel is injected and a spark plug or an igniter ignites it and that's the bang cycle. And that explodes the fuel in the now compressed air forcing the cylinder down, that's the bang cycle. And then the blow cycle is another valve opens, the exhaust valve, the cylinder or the piston goes back up and the exhaust gases are emitted. And it does that, you know, when you see uh, your engine revving at 3,000 revs per minute, that's what it's doing. 3,000 times per minute, it's going through that cycle. Quite impressive, right? Clatters along unless something isn't working. It's a well-oiled machine, literally, not figuratively a well-oiled machine. Everything does its bit, suck, squeeze, bang, blow. The four cylinders, each playing their part and each part of the cycle doing its bit to drive the cylinders up and down, which in turn drive the crankshaft, which in turn, through a gearbox, drive your wheels. The reason I think it's interesting, not particularly because it was funny, the three of us <laughs> standing in the kitchen doing the drying up, going, oh, daddy, daddy, suck, so squeeze, bang, blow. So it sounds entirely inappropriate, but it's a, it's just a really cool thing, and isn't an, it? You know, I went on to do industrial design, so I've always been curious about mechanics. And the whole point of um, this podcast is to illustrate the point or make the point that a business is a little bit like that. So when you start the thing going, sometimes it splutters, sometimes it can be tricky to get it going. But once it's going, all you need to do is maintain it, put fuel in it, make sure that it's running smoothly. Obviously, you know, when you want to go up through the gears, to use the analogy further, you have to change things. You're going to have to inject more fuel. You're going to have to put your foot down on the accelerator essentially and you're gonna to have to properly drive the thing forwards. But in the end, a business like a photography business is, I'm just gonna see if this, I don't know if this guy, can you, can you get there? Sorry, it's another, it's another Land Rover driver, admittedly a Discovery. So, you know, not, not really a Land Rover, but uh, I've just been sitting in a traffic queue and she was waiting patiently to come out and I'd like to do my bit and let people out. I'm sure, much to the annoyance of the drivers behind me, but hey, you know, I like to be the nice guy. Anyway, the whole point is that once you get your business going, it will run literally like an engine. It has all of these little parts that run. You've got, I don't know, customer services, sales, marketing. You've got a production line, which is you creating the pictures. And I know I've talked about this stuff before. And it doesn't matter how small your business is, even if it's just one of you, and it was just one of me when I started it, you still have all of these functions to cover but of course that's a limiting factor because if you're covering all of those functions there's only so much time for each of them and something's got to give and you can outsource stuff and you can get help with things but in the end when it's just you you there is a limit uh, to what you can achieve but a business is like an engine it has all of these bits and it runs Almost runs itself as long as you maintain it and take care of it. So you can get to that sweet running spot, and then you have to make decisions about how you want to, whether you want to expand the business, when you want to accelerate, when you want to, whether you want to slow it down. Each business has a different characteristic. There are small businesses, uh, big businesses, but once you have it running, you have to view it like a machine, like an engine, where all of the component parts of it work together. To produce the whole output. If any one of those cycles on any one of those cylinders fails to work efficiently, if a spark plug stops sparking, if a fuel injector stops pushing in fuel, if an inlet valve starts passing on the outlet on the outgoing cycle, um, then your engine literally it's going to splutter and possibly die. You have to look after all of it for it to run at all. But the great thing is, if you do run it, just like when you step into the car, put the ignition key in. I say ignition key. Nowadays, it's you know buttons and thumbprints and mobile phone apps to turn your car on. Uh, whatever it, whatever it is that you turn the engine over with, whatever it is that you start your car with. Uh, Obviously, the other thing is this analogy, obviously, is only going to work for another few years because when we're all driving electric cars, I'm going to have to learn the mechanics of a three-phase electric motor, of an induction motor. Um, and I'm not quite so clued up on those, having grown up my entire life as a grease monkey servicing cars. My dad was brilliant. Um, it's such a sadness that he's no longer around, but he was an absolute legend. And he and my mum, told me that I could have full use of the car. So it's an Austin Allegro. That was my first car. I could have full use of it as long as I did the work on it. Much like my business, right? I've learned to work on it, in it, keep it maintained. And the first day, he so said, right, we're going to change the oil on the Allegro. He said, go drive it around the block a few times. Let's get the engine a little bit warm. It doesn't want to be stinking hot, but we want the oil uh, more fluid because uh, the oil softens up as it gets warm. So I took it around the block a few times. Uh, so the engine was just starting to get nice and warm, pulled it onto the drive and he said, right, he said, we'll put it up onto uh, some car ramps, which we did. He handed me what would have been a gallon oil um, tank, I guess, uh, with a hole cut in the side of it. And we slid that under the sump nut of the engine so on the bottom of the engine most engines as far as probably all engines but i've only ever encountered a handful has a sump nut which is just a great big plug it's a bolt that screws into the bottom of the engine um and when you take that bolt out out comes the oil quite an important bolt in that regard uh it's also uh or it was on my allegro magnetized so that if there were any little bits of um <laughs> Pistons or, you know, wear in the engine, any lying filings that would degrade the engine. As they get cycled around the engine, they are attracted to this magnetic bolt. Uh, and they stay there. So you can hear everything rattling, I'm driving into the hearing dogs. And we slid the ildrum underneath. And he said, take the bolt out. I took the bolt out. The bolt slipped through my fingers and dropped into the bottom of the can, closely followed by the entire contents of hot engine oil. My dad laughed, he said, that's your first lesson. He said, hold on to the sump nut. Don't let it drop in there because now you've got to fish around in that oil to get it out. It was a salutary lesson, it's one I learned well. Ever since that moment, if I ever had to do an oil change, I remembered to hold on to the sump nut. So on that happy note of suck, squeeze, bang, blow, because that is what a business engine is like. Uh, I'm just parking up in the hearing. no car park is made big enough for me. This is the only car I've ever owned where when I come back to pull out, I do a site survey. I actually just take a quick check around all the edges of the Land Rover to make sure if there's anything I could hit, I know where it is because the visibility The visibility out the mirrors is fine, but you can't see the edges at all. There's no visibility out the back. I cannot see what's down there. Uh, So I spend a good deal of time just double checking. I'm not going to run into something or someone, (laughs) a small child on a bike. Uh, Right, I'm here. It's the hearing dogs. This morning, I'm hoping they aren't going to ask me to take photographs for a summer campaign because it looks like winter out here. It looks gray and barren. Uh, And there's been a huge amount of leaf fall. So we'll see how we go. As always, I hope all is well with you and until next time be kind to yourself take care